Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello and welcome to Bible Truth. This is your host, Pastor Tim Reynolds. Today we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. And today I'll be teaching on Heaven Won't Be Boring. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, but as it is written, which tells us this is previously in the scriptures, it's found actually in Isaiah chapter 64, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. You know, it seems that one of the things today that people are fearful of is they're fearful of being bored. We feel like we constantly have to be entertained. Uh, I can remember uh, when I was a child, my mother was from Southern California, and we grew up, of course, here in Southern Illinois. And every Christmas, we would take a trip out to Southern California to visit family and then come back. And uh, that was about a Oh, three to four day trip out there on the road and back. In fact, we were on the road more than we actually stayed out there. But we didn't have gadgets to play with. We didn't have uh, cell phones and tablets and iPads and those sorts of things. So on those long journeys, I can remember, uh, you know, you try to find the, uh, the, the most licensed plates of different states and different games and different ways you would just try to entertain yourself. But anymore, you can't hardly make a trip to town without turning on a DVD or something uh, for your children. It's just the generation that we have uh, grown up in. Uh, if you're a parent or a school teacher, you have probably heard those two infamous words at some time, I'm bored. Now, my dad always had a cure for that. We didn't say that much around our house because dad was really good about saying, well, if you're bored, let me find something for you to do. That's just how <laughs> we were raised. But boredom uh, actually uh, affects a lot of things. In fact, law enforcement says that boredom is behind much of the petty crimes in our cities today. Psychologists blame boredom in marriage for much of today's marital infidelity. Uh, retirement specialists tell us that boredom is a leading cause of illness and premature death for those who just shut down after they retire. They retire and sit down and pretty soon they're bored and their body begins to break down. And so that is also an effect of boredom. But let's relate this to heaven. You know, one of the most common fallacies about heaven is that somehow it will be boring. Now, the way some people visualize heaven is uh, we're floating around on billowy clouds, maybe playing a harp, flapping our little wings, uh, singing one hymn after another, and attending endless church services throughout eternity. Now, I must agree, even though I'm a preacher, that does not sound real exciting. But I don't believe that's what heaven's going to be like. And certainly, I think that singing will be a big part of that and we'll enjoy fellowship uh, together. But there's a lot of things that I think the Bible tells us about heaven that certainly lets us know that it's not boring. In fact, the Bible gives us a lot of detail, but boring is not in any of those descriptions. In fact, Paul here in the text that I just read to you from 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9 says, you haven't seen it, you haven't heard it, you can't even imagine it, how great heaven is going to be, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. So today I want to give you five reasons that heaven will not be boring. Number one, heaven won't be boring 
because God is not boring. Psalm chapter 16 and verse 11, David writes this. He says, thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Now he doesn't say at thy right hand, there are boredoms forevermore and dreariness. No, he says there are pleasures forevermore. Listen, beloved, this is the God who shaped all of the animals from the aardvark to the zebra. This is the same God who made a donkey that would speak to a prophet, a fish that would swallow a prophet, and a flock of ravens that would provide supper for a prophet. I would say that is a God who is anything but boring. Author Randy Alcorn in his book about heaven said that God made our taste buds, adrenaline, and the nerve endings that convey pleasure to our brains. Who made Bach and Beethoven and Mozart? Who gave them their gifts? Who created music itself and the ability to perform it? It's not God who's boring, it is us. Did we invent wit and humor and laughter? No, God did. The real question is, how could God not be bored with us? Well, isn't that true? You know, David in one of the Psalms says, When I consider the heavens and the work of thy fingers, what is man that thou art mindful of him? So when you stop and think, well, heaven's going to be boring. God is going to be boring. No, in fact, we are the boring ones. God is the one that the Bible says at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So heaven won't be boring because God is not boring. Number two, heaven won't be boring because you won't be boring. Now, I have to admit, uh, over the years, my wife has let me know a time or two that I was boring, you know, not really exciting all the time. And she's probably right about that. Um, (laughs) But no matter what our temperaments are, no matter what our personalities are, they are going to be vastly improved when we get to heaven. We're going to be the the most boring person is going to be an exciting person full of vim, vigor and vitality when they get to heaven. Now, we have an example of that from 1 Corinthians 15. And 1 Corinthians 15 is a great chapter in regards to the resurrection and and the the glorified body. But I'll, I'll read part of this. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse 42. The Bible says, so there is the resurrection of the dead. It, the body, is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. That means when the body goes to the grave, it is it is corrupt, you know, maybe from disease or an accident or old age, whatever it is, but it's mainly corrupt because of sin. But the Bible says it is raised in incorruption. Now that's referring to the saved person. The body will come out of the grave at the rapture, but it will not be a corrupted body. It will be a body of incorruption. Paul goes on to say in verse 43, it is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Now the natural body is what we have here on earth, but this natural body cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. And I'll read that in just a moment because uh, it's contaminated by sin. But I believe there is a body that is coming. First of all, and I taught a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago, I believe that there is a transitional body in heaven. People in heaven right now have some sort of what you might call a transitional or intermediate body. The Bible doesn't give us a lot of detail about that, but it does give us more detail. And we'll look at this too in, in just a moment about the glorified body, the body that we receive when the rapture occurs. Well, let me read a little more here. L- listen to verse 50 of, of 1 Corinthians 15. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption 
inherit incorruption. So that tells us that this body uh, that we have here on earth is not fit for heaven. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, this corruptible body must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So this body is going to eventually go to the grave. But there will be a generation that doesn't see death, that is resurrected. So you'll have those in the grave who are saved, along with the saved alive, when the trump of God sounds, and that could happen today, we would be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and we would receive a new incorruptible, what we call a glorified body. Now, uh, what will that be like? Well, these new bodies we get will not be boring. They will not age. They will not get tired. They will not get sick. They also will not be bound by space, matter, or time. Now, let me read another scripture to you. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who shall change our vile body. The word vile there means corrupt, corrupting, dying body. He's going to change that, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. So the Bible teaches that the body of the believer will be fashioned like the glorious body of the Lord Jesus Christ after he resurrected. So then that begs the question, what was Jesus' body like after the resurrection? Well, I'm going to give you just a few details on that from Luke chapter 24. In Luke 24 and verse 30, uh, you have uh, uh, Jesus here as he is with the uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus. And the Bible says in verse 30 of Luke 24, and it came to pass as he sat at meat with them. So apparently this glorified body's eating. He took bread, blessed it and break and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. So the glorified body of the resurrected Christ could transcend space, time and matter. There one minute, gone the next. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? Now, I'm going to skip down to verse 36. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them. So the disciples were all together in a closed room. You also have this uh, in the book of John. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears, just comes out of nowhere. There he is. And he says, peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. So apparently this glorified body is not just a spirit floating around in the atmosphere, but it's a literal body. Now, it's interesting that blood is not mentioned here, but you have flesh and bones. And so this glorified body, Jesus says, handle me. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, have you any meat? Do you have any food? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. So the glorified body was able to take in food. Now, I don't believe that we will have to have food for nourishment and sustenance, but the the glorified body will be able to function much like this body, except it will not age, deteriorate, get sick, 
uh, or die. And that's a glorious thing to consider. So heaven won't be boring, number one, because God is not boring. Number two, because you won't be boring. Number three, heaven won't be boring because others will not be boring. Now we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to see four groups who are mentioned uh, in heaven that we are going to get to fellowship with. And it's in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22. But you are coming to Mount Sion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Now, let me stop right there. When we talk about heaven, that, that's sort of a generic term. If you really want to be precise and technical, heaven is referring to the new Jerusalem. All right. Now, I'm not going to read this today, but the New Jerusalem is the details are given in Revelation chapters 21 and 22. You have the street of gold, gates of pearl, the foundations and all those things mentioned. That is the New Jerusalem. All right. That that's heaven. But here in heaven or the New Jerusalem, we have four groups. And here's the first one in verse 22 and to an innumerable company of angels. The, the first group here that we will get to fellowship with is the angels. There will be Michael and Gabriel, all the myriad of angels who have ministered to humanity since creation. We will get to know them and fellowship with them and learn from them. You know, something else that's interesting to consider, and, and I believe uh, that the Bible teaches this, that uh, we all have uh, a, a guardian angel. I know in my own life, there have been just maybe one or two times when I look back and I think that should have gotten me really either seriously hurt or maybe even killed were it not for something protecting me. Uh, there was a time when I almost had a car accident and I just knew I was going to be hit and, and braced for it and everything. And somehow... Uh, there was no accident. Now, you can say, well, that's a coincidence. I prefer to think that it was uh, my guardian angel that was watching out uh, for me at that time. Will it, will it not be interesting? Think about this. When you're in heaven, to sit down and talk with your guardian angel, and maybe that angel tells you, hey, there was another time you didn't even think about that I, I was watching out for you. And so just imagine the fellowship we will get to have with the angels. But there's another group. In verse 23 of Hebrews 12, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. I believe this is referring to the New Testament church saints, going back to the apostles like Peter and James and John and Paul, the martyrs of the infant church like Polycarp and Justin Martyr, the uh, ministers of the reformers like Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, the great preachers of the first and second great awakenings, George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards, Charles Finney. And then you have, of course, great missionaries of the church, Hudson Taylor and many others. Uh, and then think of this, your, your own great, great grandparents who, uh, maybe love the Lord. You'll get to fellowship with them also. Uh, you'll get to spend time with them. You'll get to visit, get to learn from them. Can you imagine saying, you know what? Today I'm going to go spend a couple hours with uh, the apostle Paul. He's going to tell me about some of his prison experiences. That's what it's going to be like. We'll have that group. The New Testament church saints will be there. Not boring. And then number three, we have God the judge. The Bible says in verse 23, and to God, the judge of all. God will be there. 
Now, as far as fellowshipping with him, God is a spirit, but think of the Godhead. You have God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are going to get to fellowship with Jesus Christ. We are going to get to visit with him and see him and and uh, ask him questions. What was it like at the creation? You know, Jesus didn't just begin there in the manger in Bethlehem. He is eternal as God. He was present at the creation. Jesus, what was it like? I believe it was he who was standing in the fiery furnace with the three Hebrew boys. What was that like? What was it like, Jesus, whenever uh, you were praying at the Garden of Gethsemane and they came to arrest you? What was going through your mind? What were you thinking as you hung there on the cross and you knew that they were uh, they were putting you to death and you were you were innocent and yet you were willingly giving your life for sinners? What was that like? Jesus, what was it like on that resurrection morning when you come up out of that tomb? What was it like? We will get to fellowship with Jesus. That, I would say, is certainly not boring. And then the fourth group, the Bible says in verse 23, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. I believe that is referring to the Old Testament saints. So you'll get to fellowship with Adam and with Enoch. Hey, Enoch, what was it like? When you were walking with the Lord and you were suddenly translated and you didn't face death, you immediately uh, went to paradise with God. Noah, what was it like on that ark for all of those days while the rains kept pouring down? Uh, David, what was it like as a young man as you faced the giant Goliath? Hey, Jonah, let's go fishing this afternoon. What do you say? Yeah, let's go land a, let's go land a big fish, Jonah. You know, see, uh, we'll get to fellowship with these Old Testament saints. How exciting will that be? Now, you tell me out of those four groups, the angels, the New Testament saints, Jesus Christ, and the Old Testament saints, who there would be boring? No, we will have all of eternity to get to fellowship with them and to know them. And then number four, heaven won't be boring because our work won't be boring. You say, now, wait a minute, preacher. Heaven sounded real good until you mentioned work. I I didn't think I was going to work. No, actually, work is good for us. We're going to be serving God throughout eternity. Now, Jesus gives a parable in Matthew chapter uh, 25, uh, and I want to just read this to you, and I'm not going to teach all of it, but I just want to, uh, to, to hit on it. And this is a parable of the talents, Matthew 25 and verse 14. Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Now, let me stop right here. Every believer, I believe, receives two things at salvation. Number one, you receive the Holy Spirit. We call it the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Number two, every believer uh, receives a spiritual gift. Now, according to the scripture, it is to every man according to his ability, All right, so uh, there are some who are given maybe more gifts or uh, maybe the gift they have is uh, more pronounced, but everyone receives some spiritual gift. And I think we try to mysticize that. Well, I don't know what my gift is. I have found this, that if you'll start obeying God and just follow him, he'll reveal the gift to you. All right, he'll make opportunities available if you just use your gifts. But here we have five and two and one. And the Bible goes on to say that he that had received five talents went and traded with the same and made five talents more. Likewise, he that had received two also gained other two. 
The one who received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of these servants cometh and and reckoneth with them. What you have here is a picture of the judgment seat of Christ, as believers now will stand to give an account for what they have done for the Lord after they were saved. And so he that had received five talents came and brought another five talents and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And the same thing to the two. And of course, we know the one hid his, and and I'm not going to teach on that. But I want to focus here on verse 21. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. So faithful over a few things is referring to what was done for the Lord here on earth. I will make thee ruler over many things refers to what will be accomplished in the kingdom age. Now, again, this is a little uh, deep theologically, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. We as believers are going to take part in the government of Jesus Christ when he sets up his earthly kingdom. The Bible teaches a 1,000-year literal kingdom here on the earth, and you and I as believers will take part in the government of that, and what we do in the kingdom will be predicated upon what we've done for the Lord here on the earth. We are going to serve in some capacity. We will have occupations. We will have jobs. We will have responsibilities. uh, We will get to research things. In fact, pastor and author Ray Stedman says, there will be new planets to develop, new principles to discover, new joys to experience. Every moment of eternity will be an adventure of discovery. We're not sitting around playing harps on clouds. We're learning things and we're, we're discovering things. And I think that's really neat. Here's something else. And this is just my opinion. Take it for what it's worth. I can't really back it up with scripture, but it's something to think about. Could it be that our areas of interest and abilities on the earth will somewhat transfer with us to heaven? I think it's very possible. Uh, Let's say you enjoy painting here on the earth. Maybe you'll do something like that in heaven. Maybe you enjoy writing music and, and singing. Maybe you'll take part in something like that in heaven. Uh, a gardener likes to tend plants. Will you do something like that in heaven? I think that is very uh, possible. And then let me give you this last uh, one, and that's number five. Heaven won't be boring because you will finally be home. It will not be boring because you will finally be home. Now, I'll just tell you about myself, and I enjoy going on vacation and visiting different places, but for me, I'm kind of like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. You know, she said, there's no place like home. (laughs) That's kind of how I am. After a a few days of being gone, to me, there's no greater feeling than pulling into my driveway and coming home. I just like being home. I guess I'm what you would call a homebody. But I think there's just something different about heaven when we get there. It's not going to be a strange feeling. When we get to heaven, I think it's almost as if we're going to take a a deep breath and say, man, this is, this is where I belong. I'm finally home. Now, what makes me think that? Well, Hebrews chapter 11 gives us an example of this. We call this the great faith chapter, and several uh, Bible characters have been mentioned for their faith, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 13 of Hebrews 11. The Bible says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded or convinced of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So these Old Testament saints, they they did not receive the promises yet, but they were looking forward to it. As we look back to the cross, they were looking forward to the cross. And notice the Bible says they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. 
That's how, you know, the old song used to talk about that. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And uh, I, I can't feel at home in this world anymore. That's, that's where that comes from, these strangers and pilgrims. It goes on to say in verse 14, For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. In other words, if their focus was earthly, they would have gone back to that. If, if Abram's uh, mind would have remained uh, at, in the earth of the Chaldees, he would have gone back to that. But he didn't. He went for that promised land. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Which reminds me of John chapter 14 and verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Think about this. Jesus Christ has been preparing our home now for over 2,000 years. What? is that going to be like? Well, all I can say is like Paul, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. But listen to me closely. God has prepared those things for people who are prepared. Are you prepared for heaven? You don't automatically get these things I've shared with you this morning. You must make preparation for them. How do you do that? You do that by recognizing that you are a sinner that Jesus Christ died for your sin, shed his blood, rose again from the grave. And if you'll simply repent of your sin and ask him to save you, he will do that. And right there and then you are prepared for heaven. And you can take part in what Jesus is preparing for you today. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Are you prepared? I hope that you are. You don't get prepared by just being a good person and just showing up at church. Those are fine things to do. Preparation involves an actual personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and I hope that you've done that. Thank you so much for listening to Bible Truth for Living today. It's always a joy uh, to be with you. We encourage you to be in the house of the Lord. We invite you to Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. If you do not have a home church, 9 o'clock Sunday school, 10 o'clock morning worship, 6 o'clock evening service, and Wednesday night, 6 o'clock as well, and then Waltonville Community Church at 1115 every Sunday morning. We also encourage you to tell folks about our new Bible Truth podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Podcast Addict, many others, and search Bible Truth Podcast Tim Reynolds. You can get all of our radio recordings, our service recordings. We're also uh, going to be adding prophecy updates, interviews, and things as this ministry continues to grow. So help us spread the word about that as well. I appreciate it. We thank you so much for being a part of Bible Truth for Living today, and I look forward to being with you again next Sunday. Until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at Hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois 62864. Thank you for listening.